0: Welcome to Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm the founder of the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding and Conflict, and I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is Gabrielle Hartley. She's an attorney, mediator, consultant, speaker, and author. She's known for her unique non-toxic approach to divorce that she has developed over two decades in practice. She keeps 99% of her cases out of the courtroom. And at the negotiating table, she effectively supports her clients to create healthy the uplifting Post-Divorce Life, and she's also the author of the new book, Better Apart. Welcome, Gabrielle Hartley. It's a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Thank you so much.
0: So that's an interesting title, Better Apart. How did you pick it, and what is your thinking behind it, and what led you to write the book?
1: So Better Apart was created with the idea that why do we get divorced? We get divorced so that we can feel happier, so that our lives will actually improve, that in fact, our lives will be better when we're apart. And I th- I really thought about writing the book as I was clerking for a New York City matrimonial court judge for a long time. And my parents divorced when I was nine and my brother was six, and they had one of the first shared custody arrangements at a time where most people didn't do that yet. And I didn't realize how great their divorce was until I worked for the judge. And I saw how mean people were to each other and how the process fueled so much extra anger And I started to really take a look back on what did my parents know and what did they do that made their divorce so different. And um, I really wanted to share that with clients on a larger platform so people know that, you know, they're not alone and they can be better.
0: Do you think you were were drawn to family law because of your parents' divorce or your own personal experiences?
1: Um, you know, honestly, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, when I went to law school, that's the one class I took pass-fail because when I entered law school, I was like so done with the whole idea of divorce. And... I really tried not to get involved with divorce, but then when the opportunity came for me to, uh, clerk for Judge Jeff Sunshine, um, it was not something that I could pass up. And when I took the job, um, I just found that I loved it. I was drawn to it. And I, I really found it very fulfilling to help people come to the point of agreement, even when differences appeared at surface at first blush to be intractable.
0: Yeah, I think it's really interesting working with people who are divorcing because it's first of all, it's so emotional, which is mm-hmm. a reason why I think a lot of lawyers don't like it or think they wouldn't like it. Mm-hmm. But that sort of sort of opportunity to sort of stay with people through that sort of fiery transition and help them find or, you know, be with them when they locate what's most important to them and and then figure out how to negotiate for, from that yeah, place. I think-
1: I think that's an interesting um, point about locating what's most important. I think often we confuse um, our wants and our needs, and I, I think if more people focus on what you just mentioned, um, locating what's most important, um, a lot of times things will fall more naturally into place because it's very often we don't actually want and need the same thing as one another, even though we might assume that we do.
0: Yeah, that's that's right, and and the problem is usually never the problem. You know, I think the way that the way that it presents is not usually what what the problem is. And what's really interesting is staying with it long enough to figure out. You know, together, you know, it's not like that. The people are hiding it, right? That, that they're just not really fully enough processed with it to really understand what the problem really is. And I think that. It's really it's kind of an interesting process as a as a professional as an attorney working with people in conflict in this way to really stick with it while you figure that out.
1: Yeah, and and to and to um, create the conversation around clarity, what's really going on, without the blame and without the emotion, and when we get to what's going on, we're able to extricate ourselves and to move forward with dignity and, and ease, which I think it, I think that if we all knew that it's okay to decide to divorce and not be enemies, I think that would serve everyone.
0: Yeah, it would. But it's hard to do, to separate mm-hmm. out the emotions from the you know, the facts from the figures from the, you know, and all of that sort of stuff. So how do do you help your clients do that, Gabrielle Hartley?
1: That's that's a really good question. Thank you, um, Catherine. So there's a couple of things. First of all, it's really important that you're kind to yourself and you allow yourself to grieve and you allow yourself to find this process difficult and painful. Okay. Because that's, that's just the reality. At the same time, one of the first things I encourage all of my clients to do is to get a therapist and also to create positive mantras to start rewriting the negative narrative into positive. Um, my book, Better Apart, integrates a lot of meditation and yoga. I have a wonderful um, collaborating author, Elena Brower, who is a world-renowned yoga and meditation guru, um, and she lends just really beautiful practices and mantras throughout the book. What I do in the process is break down the emotional roller coaster through the lens of five distinct components, peace, patience, respect, clarity, and forgiveness. And what the forgiveness is, is compassion, compassion for yourself. So there's an expression um, holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And um, I think that that when we recognize that anger is only only hurting ourselves, we can start to move off of it and start moving into a place where we begin to actually feel better and we can start to see the light
0: you know you said so much there but i want to and that's one of my, that's no that's good I'm, it's that's one of my uh, favorite expressions
1: that, oh really? It, yes. Yeah, I mean, you can't help but think about it when we're in this field, I guess.
0: Yes, I guess. Uh, so, but you know, I think that for people listening, <laughs> imagine you know we have a listener out there thinking, "Well, I'm so angry, and I have every right to be angry. My, you know, my spouse had an affair. I've just found out that they've gambled away our life savings. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're they're leaving me, even though they promised that we would always be together. Mm-hmm. You know, a sense of betrayal and sort of reframing the negative to the positive. They might say, you know, that sounds great. But how do you do that when you're in the midst of all of this?
1: Mm-hmm. So so I'd say slowly and mindfully. Yeah. I mean, there are concrete things that you can do, like one practice that I really love, which I would encourage anyone to do who's going through a divorce, separate from any journal that your lawyer might tell you to make, is to get a positive affirmation journal, which is just a blank um, journal, where you're going to write down lists Of life the way you would like it to be. So I center it in the book around the five essential elements, you know, how you want to be more peaceful. So if you have a day where you're feeling especially wound up, how can we step back? We tell ourselves I'm peaceful and we write down a place that makes us feel peaceful and maybe we draw it or we write down when we are peaceful, we feel you know, happy, uplifted, supported, or maybe we name people who make us feel better. We start to really train our minds to go to the positive because it's really easy to slip into the negative thinking. I think many of us, if not most of us, are are wired to think in terms of self-protection, which then fuels the anger and you get into this negative loop. And if we can start moving forward slowly, we can start to shift how we're seeing our own lives.
0: yeah, that's interesting. It sounds like what you're talking about is sort of breaking apart uh some of the the feelings to um in, in, instead of being you know things you don't want, focusing on what you do exactly. want right and and how to locate those in small ways and put those small ways together over time so that uh, it creates more of a platform to stand on than the negativity.
1: And it's really, it's really hard. It's, it's difficult to do that. It can be, um, you know, a real process. Like I talk about, um, engaging in active self care, which doesn't, I mean, it may include going to a spa, but that's not necessarily the main thing. You know, it may be listening to your inner voice of what you've always wanted to be. Let's say, you know, you got married when you were 23, you were right out of college, but you really always wanted to be a nurse and now you're, 39 years old, can you go back to nursing school? Well, if that's the thing you really want to do, then I would encourage you to figure out the steps of how you can do it. It may be a more circuitous route. Maybe you have young kids and it's going to take four years instead of two or whatever, but to just think about what makes you feel better so that you can start feeling really, truly comfortable in your own new skin, in your new circumstances.
0: You're listening to Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Katherine Miller. I'm talking today with Gabrielle Hartley, the author of Better Apart, an attorney who has written a book about her experiences helping clients deal positively with the transition to divorce to a place where they're better. You know, and one thing that you're talking about is this act of self-care, uh, Gabrielle, but I'm wondering you know, we have the, what we call, at least in my office, the Greek chorus, you know, people's, mm-hmm. you know, friends and family, you know, so Absolutely. You know, who are really trying to help them. And, you know, and they're basically saying, you know, don't let them get away with this and make sure you get that, you know, and well, how do you think the clients should or people <laughs> who are facing, you know, these people who really care about them, but are maybe not giving them the greatest advice? How That's should they do That's a deal really that?
1: interesting point that you're raising that I was actually just talking with my own office mate about this very topic. And there's, we do address, that at, at some length in the book. And when I consult one-to-one with people who are going through divorce, we talk a lot about not cutting yourself off, but maybe putting certain people on a shelf right now and surrounding yourself with people who allow you to be happy, allow you not to be angry. Of course, you need to find professionals who are going to give you solid advice, um, a legal professional, maybe a financial professional, certainly a therapist. And you need to um, Just really be very mindful about not exposing yourself to people who make you just feel bad. Now, sometimes people make you feel bad because they're saying things that are true that you don't want to hear. And you may need to go back into your journal and think about, you know, are these helpful facts or are these just things that are going to tear me down? And really focus on what is helpful and let the rest of it sort of wash away in the air like mist.
0: Yeah. You know, what's interesting though is I think that people you know, when they're in crisis or when they're going through something, they're really afraid of the unknown. Mm, of and, and and there's something that I call the chump factor, mm-hmm. right? C-H-U-M-P. Like mm-hmm. they're really afraid to be, a, you know, to be seen as a chump. And then the Greek chorus will say, well, make sure you get <coughs> this thing that my, you know, my cousin's co-worker's, you know, sister got. <laughs> right? Yeah, totally.
1: You know, my, I mean, and it's so compelling. I tell my clients um, when I'm... Representing them, like, remember that your facts, while they may be similar to your friend's sister-in-law's facts, you're not your friend's sister-in-law and your spouse is not their spouse. we're You know, certain things, certain human experiences we all go through, but... We really need to be very careful of overgeneralizing stories that we hear from other people.
0: Yeah, and also they they transform over time, right? So, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the game of telephone that I used to play, you mm-hmm. know, in, in the hallway waiting for gym or art class to uh-huh. begin, right? Where one person at the back of the line <clears throat> whispers something to the person in front of them and then the person at the front of the line, you know, repeats back what was whispered to them and it's completely different, you know, and usually there's gales of laughter that comes up like how different it is. But that the stories do change over time and 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 over the telling, and they're just you just don't know what you don't know about the about that situation
1: that's so. right, so you really have to work um at tapping into your own internal intuition, which might sound very woo woo you know but it's really not if you you know if you you need to listen to yourself when you hire a lawyer, find someone who makes you feel secure and confident like they understand what the law is, and they're listening to what you want, and you're able to Find the balance between what you want and what's realistic, given the facts and the law. And then to do some really deep personal work on listening to your own voice. And as as we get older, you know, um, a lot of my friends and I will, you know, joke around about how, oh, I'm not as sharp in this way or in that way. But the reality of it is our sense of intuition really grows tremendously as we pass 40, 50, 60, we become sharper in certain ways. And it's scary to listen to yourself when that Greek chorus that you're talking about is very loud, but you need to get to a place where your own internal voice is as strong as that voice. And that doesn't mean to ignore everybody. You need to have people when you're an emotional swirl who you can really rely on, but make sure it's not just someone who you have grown to be attached to, but also, somebody who really has a strong, solid head on their shoulders, does that make sense
0: yeah, well, I want to circle back to about to what you were talking about in terms of choosing a lawyer and choosing a therapist right mm-hmm. I mean, and choosing professionals to support you through this process how do you How do you think that or what would your recommendation be for how someone interview lawyers from this perspective
1: okay, so first of all. I think it's really important that you listen to, um, not just necessarily online reviews because sometimes online, um, the only people who are talking are the complaining people. Listen to names that you, that come up over and over within your community and listen to see what they're, they're saying. If they just say somebody's, you know, a tiger or a bulldog or a cutthroat, you know, that might be great in the case where your ex is absolutely impossible to deal with. Um, But in more cases than not, you want somebody who is a really strong negotiator, has been practicing exclusively in family law for a period of time, is well-liked, is smart, uh, is responsive. And really, when you go in and you meet with somebody, and you may need to meet with two or three people until you find the person that you have the right chemistry with, again, you're going to have to listen to your intuition. Um, You may want to bring a friend with you if you feel like you can't think straight at this time because you're so upset by whatever's happening um or it's so much money um bring somebody with you and have them take notes and see like is the lawyer answering your questions make sure you have a good sense of what you want to know when you go into the lawyer sometimes people will consult with me after seeing somebody else. And um, it seems like the first attorney that they spoke with didn't even necessarily get to any substantive law. Um, I wouldn't spend too much time just telling your emotional story. I would tell some of the story, but really get down to the facts around, like you were starting to say before, Ka- Catherine, facts and figures. And were you also were you asking um, about picking a therapist? Yeah. So an individual therapist... It really depends on you and what kind of therapy you've already done, um, whether a therapist is right for you or a coach or maybe both. There are all kinds of different therapy available. There's talk therapy. There is rapid eye therapy called EMDR, emotional freedom technique, like all different kinds of trauma therapy, which is really appropriate for a lot of people in the short term during a divorce. I would, again, you know, encourage you to meet with people who have good reputations, but just because your friend like them doesn't mean it's the right fit for you. And maybe see a couple of people if the first one doesn't feel just quite right.
0: You're listening to Dialogue on Divorce. We're here on WVOX, 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 530, or perhaps you're listening on the podcast, www.divorcedialogues.com, and I'm speaking today with Gabrielle Hartley, the author of Better Apart, and Gabrielle, if anybody is interested in, and I'm sure people are, in learning more about your book or about you, how can they get more information?
1: So if you just log on to gabriellehartley.com, G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-E-H-A-R-T-L-E-Y, gabriellehartley.com, that is my website that will guide you to my consulting mediation, um, consulting and mediation business, as well as allow you to purchase the book. You can purchase the book at Barnes and Noble at your local bookstore, and of course it's available on Amazon. It will be out officially on January 29th, but it is presently in pre-order.
0: So let's move a little bit further forward into the sort of into the divorce negotiation and into the um, you know kind of the end game of really starting to separate stuff out. What's your experience of people having to let go of stuff that they mm. think of as their own things—the money that they've earned, the mm. children they've so been raising—you know—and to re sort of reframe how they look at at their lives in that way.
1: Yeah, isn't that just really difficult? a lot of it is just starting to again look inward and engage in that self-care and think and and tap into what really fed you before you got married you know who are you and what did you want or do you not even know what you want you know it's it's a it's an opportunity for soul searching and for remapping your own future whether or not you want it oftentimes it's thrust upon us um, it's really hard sometimes to have those days without your kids um, even if you wanted the divorce those those times I hear about that all the time. It can feel really empty, especially
0: over the holidays.
1: Oh my gosh. The holidays are just horrible for some people or even like, you know, people who've been home with their, their little kids every night. And maybe, you know, it's a mom who's only been working part time and now there's, they have shared custody and they don't have their kid, you know, three days of the week. Um, one thing that I encourage you to, to do is to Take some kind of class or create a, some kind of standing date, at least one of those days. You always you always want to have something to look forward to every single day, especially those alone days, even if it's just an hour where you know you're going to feel good, because there's nothing worse than waking up and feeling bad and then not being able to get out of your head and not having at least a moment that feels uplifted and sunshiny, if that makes sense.
0: A bright spot to look forward to. A bright spot. To. Yeah.
1: hmm so maybe, you know, a cooking class, a dance class, maybe a book club, you know, even an online um, group, although I would caution to stay away from online chat groups that are just negative.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a danger. But if if you can find one that's local and in person, that's facilitated by someone who really has some expertise, I think that can be quite helpful to
1: create a sense of support. Absolutely. Or even if you if you live in a small town and you don't want to be local because um you want some anonymity, just be careful. Some of them are actually moderated by individuals who are skilled and have a lot of experience. Just, you know, if you're starting to feel like you're getting into a negative conversation constantly, I would definitely have a second look before I'd go back to that group.
0: Yeah. You know, and Gabrielle Hartley, I find that people have, who've been in, in marriages and, and, and frankly, in, in all sort of relationships of intimate relationships that mm-hmm. happens between, you know, parents and children, between siblings, you know, find themselves in, in, in a conflict dynamic that they mm. get, that they get trapped in.
1: Absolutely. Right.
0: And they, Uh, And they have such a hard time getting out of it, right? And so that they're constantly sort of re-inflaming the situation, and and somehow don't know how to extricate themselves from that. Does that sound familiar to you? And and how do you recommend people deal with that conflict trap?
1: Absolutely. So one thing um, that I suggest is the concept of responding rather than reacting, um, which is that when you're say there's a trigger person or a trigger conversation. First of all, whenever you're able to actually take space, meaning call the person back, step out of the room, give yourself 10 minutes before you respond, that's great. But sometimes we can't do that. Sometimes we're in the mediation and the person is saying something that may seem benign enough to, you know, to the mediator or to your lawyers who don't know your dynamic. What I would encourage you to do right then is to just really quietly sip in some air, in and out through your nose a couple of times, not making a show of it, not being audible, but just to feed your body some oxygen, which actually will slow you down and permit you to be more responsive and able to think more clearly. Um, Because when our thoughts are muddied by emotion, we're just not able to give the kind of re- response that we want to. And remember, during this whole process, we should always be thinking about how do we want to look back on ourselves and on our lives in five years from today?
0: Yeah. And how do we want to think about how we comported ourselves during the divorce process? Are we going to be proud of ourselves? Or are we going to think, wow, we really allowed ourselves to get to our lowest possible position?
1: Exactly. And and how do we want to model for our children?
0: Yeah. And I think in choosing professionals, it's important to kind of think about that, too, because um, the, absolutely. Way, the way your lawyer represents you is going to be remembered by your former spouse as well as by yourself later yeah. on.
1: Yeah, that's that's absolutely, that's such a good point, Catherine.
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, I'm often will say, listen, you know, gorillas don't make good lawyers because do you want to be dealing with a gorilla yourself, <laughs> you know?
1: No, it's really true because, um, you know, even 10 or 15 years later, you can be saying or 20 years later, you know, well, it's almost like your lawyer is in the proxy of you. So if your lawyer is really aggressive and unnecessarily mean or spins things to the point where it feels like lies in the courthouse, you can't unsay those things to your ex. And your ex's memory may be that you said those things, not the lawyer. And it's just it's sending so much bad energy um, towards your children, and and back right on to you, even if you don't have children, it's just not the way you want to go.
0: So, how do you think people should handle it when things come up that are really upsetting, like their their ex spouse is dating a new person, perhaps that's the person who's the you know ostensible reason for the breakup of the marriage. You know, when children are involved, and what do you what is your advice for people trying to deal with that you know very painful situation?
1: Again, I it may sound repetitive, but really taking space. Actually, taking yourself out of the situation and clearing your head. Maybe if you have the resources to go somewhere like a, a Kripalu or a little, a little break where you can have some true rest and relaxation for a few days. That's the really the first thing that you need to do because otherwise you're just much too likely to say and do things that later you're going to regret. Are you asking about how to negotiate or how, like, what specifically are you? Yeah, well, first of all,
0: dealing with the difficulty of it, I think you're talking about the internal, but also then being able to speak about it, you know, and speak about parenting time and all of that with the other parent. Yeah,
1: I mean, this is a reason you need very good professionals, because, you know, with space and time, all of this really will become easier, even when it feels like it won't. Like, one of the reasons I wanted to write the book is to just let people know you're not alone. You're just so not alone. What you're feeling has been... is being felt by people who you're probably just passed, you know, in your local market. But, you know, we're all wearing masks outside that are, you know, happy and highly functional. And and, you know, this is part of life for many people and you will get through it. But when you're when you're having to negotiate and you just can't um, make sure you have a professional who you're able to speak to so that you can really carefully discern what is the best um, situation for you your children and your family for moving forward
0: i think that's really really good advice gabrielle hartley author of better apart it's been a pleasure to have you on the show thanks for being a guest
1: pleasure has been mine thank you so much